I bet you weren't expecting a second episode of this. Don't worry, neither was I. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 2 of my brand new basketball podcast, Beyond the Arc. And you know what I like? You know what I love? A good all-star game. You have people taking shots that they wouldn't dream of taking in actual NBA games for the fear of losing, highlight players left, right and centre, ridiculous alley-oops and shots from pretty much all over the court. However, questions are being asked as to whether this year's all-star game will be as much of a spectacle as usual, with big names such as LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard and Yanis Antetokounmpo treating the announcement of the game as if they'd just been told by their parents that they're going to have to go to watch the opera with them. Just a big, eh, do I have to go? But despite the lackadaisical response from most of the big name players, it does seem like an NBA All-Star game will be going ahead on March 7th in Atlanta. And even if the game wasn't going to go ahead, I'm pretty sure that the NBA would have still announced All-Stars for 2021. So in today's episode, I'm going to be going against everything I said I was going to do on the podcast in episode 1, and I'm going to tell you my All-Star predictions. Now, for those of you that don't know, the All-Star game consists of 24 of the best players in the NBA that year, 12 from each conference. Who starts is down to fan voting. The two guards and the three forwards with the most votes from each conference get to start the All-Star game, with the remaining seven bench players chosen by the media and the coaches. From the initial fan vote, the player with the most votes on each conference becomes the star captain, and after all the All-Stars are announced, they get to take the players and draft them to their side. For this podcast, I'm just going to be saying who I think is going to make the All-Star team from the East and the West. I'm not going to go through the drafting process because, well, who knows who the captains will pick. But I am going to go through who I think from the East and the West is going to make the All-Star roster. And I'm also going to tell you who I think the captains will be too. And I am going to go through some honourable mentions before giving you my All-Stars because, let's be honest, picking 12 just from each conference is pretty hard. But before we get into this episode, make sure you like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. The response to the first episode was great, way better than what I actually expected but analytics show that 67% of the people that viewed that video aren't even subscribed to the channel. So do it. It's only free. Come on. And you do know that I will cry every night before I sleep until that number hits zero. So subscribe. Yeah, that means you there too. I can see you. You haven't subbed yet. I can see you. Subscribe now. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, follow the podcast. And no matter what you're listening on, make sure you're sharing it out to grow the fan base because, you know, it really helps me out and it makes me more motivated to do more videos than this. So let's get right into it. Now, starting off in the East for some honourable mentions, and at the guard position, and this might sound very controversial, I didn't think we'd start so controversial so early, but we've got Trey Young. Like, he started last year for the East, and I've got him down for not even making it this year, despite still putting up good numbers. Okay, maybe if we're going off of numbers, then he probably could make it, at least on the bench for some of the players that I've chosen. And if there was a 13th option for an All-Star team, then he'd probably be my 13th pick. But I don't think he's going to make it this year, despite him pretty much leading Atlanta to one of their better seasons in the last couple of years. Another person who I don't think is going to make it over in Indiana is Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he is stepping up for the Indiana Pacers this year and leading them despite not really having a proper all-star on the side, but I do think he is missing that final step to becoming an all-star for that East roster. He's definitely more of an honourable mention rather than someone who is breaking into the all-star teams. Similarly, when you talk about players stepping up this year, we've got Colin Sexton over in Cleveland. He is actually putting up proper all-star numbers, I think, this year. He's close to some of the players that I've put on the bench. He's quite unlucky to miss out, but I don't think he's going to make it, despite easily breaking out this year and leading a playoff charge for the Cleveland Cavs. And then to round out the guards, the backcourt in Toronto is pulling through right now, sending the Raptors up the Eastern Conference, but I don't think either of them are going to get in. Kyle Lowry has been putting up decent numbers, but I don't think it's good enough to get himself a seventh All-Star appearance. And then you've got Drake, who seems to have taken a break from writing songs to play some... Oh wait, sorry, that's Fred Van Vliet. 
sorry, but Fred VanVleet is definitely on his way to becoming one of the best undrafted players in NBA history. I mean, he just broke the Toronto Raptors franchise record for most points scored in the game with 54 against Orlando, and he is definitely helping the Toronto Raptors improve in the East, but I think it is a case of too little too late for him if he wants to make the All-Star team. Now onto the forwards for the East, and there's a lot more forwards in the honourable mentions list, and the first one is, and I'm not sure why I've decided to disrespect the Orlando Hawks like this, but I've got Clint Capella down. I think he's a very disrespected and underrated big man. He hasn't really garnered the attention that he got whilst at Houston. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still a beast on the glass. He's putting up great rebounding numbers. He's one of them old school in the pain centers, but I don't think it'll be enough to send him to an all-star team this year. Someone who's a lot like Capella, and again on another team that I've said will have a player miss out on, is Andre Drummond from the Cleveland Cavs. I just, I don't think in this day and age that just rebounding the ball is enough to make you an all-star. You see big men these days, they're either really athletic or they can shoot the three as well as being able to rebound the ball and unfortunately, despite being one of the best at rebounding and putting the ball back in the bucket after grabbing an offensive board, Andre Drummond doesn't really provide much else. That being said, many teams do need a player that can rebound like him and the fact that people are saying that he's only trade value as a second round draft pick is a little bit disrespectful on Drummond's name. Still don't think he'll make the all-star team though, but it is worth giving the honourable mention to him. Gordon Hayward, someone that's played really well this season so far. I talked about him in the last episode, but I mean, Charlotte on a whole are just not very good as a franchise. They've only had seven All-Stars in their history, and I don't think Gordon Hayward's going to be the eighth this year, but he is pulling through this year. He's the main reason that Charlotte are where they are in the East, challenging for the playoffs. Tobias Harris has never actually been an All-Star in his long career, despite averaging close to or over 20 points a game throughout the last five seasons, and I've got him down to miss again this year, despite being box score wise the second best player on the 76ers this year who lead the East. Sorry Ben Simmons. But he's actually nearing the peak of his career. He's only 28 so maybe a big year next year could actually see him get into the All-Star team for the first time in his career. Someone else that I've got down to just miss out that I talked about in the last video too is who I think is going to win the most improved player this year and that's Jeremy Grant on the Detroit Pistons. And hey he's actually putting up more points per game than some of the players that I've chosen to make the All-Star team. But as we saw last year with Bradley Beal, being on the worst team in the conference does really hinder you when you're wanting to be an all-star. The media just never really gives you a chance and I don't think he'll make the all-star team because of that really. Larry Markkinen's having a really underrated season and I know he's just doing this because he plays on the Bulls. And I mean, maybe if I didn't support the team he plays for, I might not be putting him on this because I wouldn't have seen how well he's played this season. When he's not being injured, which is pretty much most of the time right now, he's a very big 20 point a night threat. And as a Bulls fan, I really, really hope that the front office can secure a deal for him instead of just letting him leave in free agency next season because he's a really underrated big man. He's been a lot more efficient with the ball this season, he's taking smart shots and he's upping his points per game and I think he is worth about as much money as he's wanting from the Bulls at the moment. Another person that I've got down that actually made the All-Star team last year is Chris Middleton, albeit quite controversially in my opinion. I mean he was pretty much just carried by Giannis. You can't deny that he's a good second option for the Bucks though. And well he is putting up good numbers, but players in the same position as him have just gotten better whilst he's kind of just stayed the same and it's clear to see that Giannis won't be carrying him to a third straight All-Star game this year. And then to round off my honourable mentions for the Eastern Conference, we're off to Miami, where I have maybe controversially left out two big players. The first being Jimmy Butler. Now as a Bulls fan, I love Jimmy Butler, but I think I'm not alone in thinking that Miami's poor start to the season this year has been almost all down to him. He wasn't initially providing the leadership that he had done throughout the playoffs last year that saw Miami get to the NBA Finals. And well look, recently he started to show up, posting up near enough triple doubles in seven of his last 
eight games at time of recording. And they may not be in the playoff positions at the moment, but they've definitely surged up the East. However, I don't think recent form will be good enough to send him to the All-Star game, given people he's competing with have been good throughout the whole season. And then to keep with Miami, we've got Bam Adebayo. It was genuinely a toss-up between him and someone else that I've ended up putting into the reserves. Both were putting up similar start lines, but I've generally just gone for the person who plays for a team higher up in the East, which is a shame because I like Bam, and the Heat's early struggles really weren't down to him. So in my opinion, if I had an extra forward slot, I'd definitely put him in there, but unfortunately he's not making the Eastern Conference All-Star team this year. So after giving you all of my honourable mentions for the Eastern Conference All-Star team, maybe you can have a guess at who I've put in, but before I actually go into the All-Star rosters, I'm going to go for the Western Conference honourable mentions first. And to kick things off with the guards, I'm going to go with Victor Oladipo, who recently just traded to the Houston Rockets from the Indiana Pacers, and he's been playing okay, but injuries have taken away a lot of his explosiveness out of his game. He was still good enough to become a two-time All-Star in Indiana, however, and I feel I'll be saying this a lot when it comes to these honourable mentions, the East isn't as strong as the West at all, and he isn't going to be making it into my Western Conference All-Star predictions this year. More of a mention rather than someone who is close to breaking into the All-Star team is last year's Rookie of the Year, Ja Morant. The Grizzlies point guard is still putting up good numbers, but not All-Star level, unlike someone else from his draft class. But this is only his second year in the league, and he's still growing, and I'm pretty sure that he'll have a very lucrative career with many All-Star appearances in the future. Going back to someone like Victor Oladipo in the way that they were very good in the East, but not good enough for a Western Conference All-Star appearance is DeMar DeRozan. The San Antonio Spurs are absolutely killing it this year, and it's thanks in part to DeMar DeRozan not really showing any signs of slowing down. But this is his third year in San Antonio, but he hasn't made any All-Star appearances in the West after coming off four All-Star appearances in the East for the Raptors. Unfortunately for DeMar, it seems like his All-Star appearances probably won't increase at all for the rest of his career, but it's worth giving him a mention because he's still absolutely doing amazingly this year. Shai Gilgis-Alexander from the Thunder is having a really good season. I said last episode that he's breaking out after having a breakout year last year too, but he didn't make it last year, and in my opinion, he's not going to make it again. But he was close this year. He's putting up amazing numbers, and he's still young, and he's still improving. Like some of the players in the East, though, the team he plays for does bring him down. The Thunder are exactly the best team in the NBA. I think if he carries on putting up monster numbers season in, season out, All-Star games are in the distant future for the Thunder youngster. Someone else who is pretty much almost in the same boat as Shea in the way that he plays for a pretty poor team, but he's still putting up great numbers is De'Aaron Fox on the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I almost feel sorry for him. The last time the Kings made the playoffs, De'Aaron Fox was eight years old. The young guard is still putting up great numbers. It's just a shame that the fact that he plays for the Kings is definitely going to bring him down in terms of getting into the All-Star team this year. The Sacramento Kings as a franchise have only had one All-Star since 2004, and De'Aaron Fox probably won't become the second person after DeMarcus Cousins to make the game. But he is only 23, and he has the potential to be in All-Star games in the future, just I think he's going to have to leave Sacramento if he wants to do so. And like Toronto, the backcourt of the Phoenix Suns is definitely unlucky to miss out. The fact that I've not included Chris Paul in the All-Star teams this year, I feel like I should be having a go at myself for it. He is generally one of the best point guards in the history of the NBA, I think. And even though he doesn't put up huge numbers in terms of scoring, it's the work he does outside of the box score, the points in the clutch, the leadership that he brings, that makes him such a good point guard. I mean, his addition to the Suns has pretty much made them a playoff team. So maybe I'm being a little bit harsh not giving him his 11th All-Star appearance, but he's definitely close. And so is his shooting guard partner, Devin Booker. Devin Booker is, in my opinion, the 13th pick for the All-Star team if they had one. Which, well, he was last year when Damian Lillard went out with an injury. And despite putting up worse stats all across the board than he did last year, I think you can kind of blame that on him not being trusted to carry the Phoenix Suns offense all the time now. I'd definitely say that the addition of Chris Paul to play point guard alongside him has made him a more efficient player, and Phoenix now becoming one of the top seeds in the Western Conference is definitely going to help him get the media's eyes on him now. But I don't think Devin Booker is going to be making the All-Star team for a second consecutive year this year, unless 
someone drops out through injury like last year. Moving on to the Western Conference forwards, honourable mentions, and to be honest, I only have a few, and the first is Brandon Ingram on the New Orleans Pelicans. Brandon Ingram did have a great year last year, being named most improved player for the whole NBA, and picking up his first all-star appearance alongside it. He was a free agent last year, and in my opinion, he could have chosen to go to a way better team. However, he did stay on the Pelicans, and he's still putting up great numbers. The Pelicans are more of a long project team rather than a team that's going to be challenging for the title immediately. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, in my opinion, and Brandon Ingram won't make the all-star team either. It is really a case of other forwards in the conference have improved heavily this year. There is quite a few that I've picked that weren't in the all-star team last year. So you can't deny that Ingram is putting up all-star level numbers, but it won't be enough to send him into the all-star team this year. Someone else who made their first all-star appearance last year, but is a victim of other forwards in the West just being better than him this year, is Rudy Gobert on the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are doing their best impression of the 2015 Atlanta Hawks team this year. They're killing it in the regular season. They're the underdog for the whole NBA, but are they going to make it to the NBA Finals this year? I don't think anyone's expecting them to. But the former two-time Defensive Player of the Year is still carrying his load on offense and on defense, and he is one of the main reasons why the Jazz are doing so well in the West this year, but I don't think it'll be enough to send him to the All-Star game for the second year in a row. And to round out the honorable mentions for the Western Conference forwards, I've gone with someone who I didn't initially have down because he was injured, but he's just come back, and that's Carl Anthony Towns from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's just broken the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise record for the most three-pointers, which is mental to say. Like, how the hell can your franchise record for threes be held by a centre? Minnesota, what's wrong with you? But despite injuries and isolations holding Carl Anthony Towns back, he has only played seven games this season. He's still putting up amazing all-star level numbers. However, playing for the Timberwolves, playing for the worst team in the whole NBA, that is definitely going to hold him back, and it's not going to be enough to get him into the all-star team this year. So, now all the honourable mentions are out of the way, I think it's time to find out who I think is going to be in the all-star teams this year. I've picked out two guards and three falls to start, as well as three guards and four forwards for the bench for each of the east and the west so let's find out who's made the cut made the cut does anyone say made the cut anymore it sounds like i've just had an audition for a film Eh, hey, we'll run with it, we'll run with it. Let's find out who's in the All-Star teams, in my opinion. Starting with the East, and we've got someone who actually does play point guard for the team he plays for, despite being listed as a shooting guard, and that is James Harden on the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Harden was an All-Star in all of his years at Houston, and he's definitely not going to be dropping now he's being traded to the East. Now, being on a team where he's not relied on to shoot the ball almost every single trip down the lane, his facilitation numbers have gone up, and he leads the league in assists per game. The Nets do have an All-Star big three, and it would be a bit strange if I didn't include all three of them, but at least James Harden gets to start nod for his ninth successive all-star appearance. Alongside him in the shooting card position, and well, who else is it going to be? It's Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards, of course. After being left out from last year's game, I'm pretty sure every single fan from around the world came together and unanimously decided that he was going to make this year's team. Beal could have probably absolutely stunk up the place and scored like 20% of his field goals, and he still probably would have got a place in the starting lineup because of fan voting. But Beal hasn't even done that. He's built on his amazing season last year, and he's leading the league in points per game. And despite the Wizards having an absolutely terrible season so far, Bradley Beal is definitely going to be getting into the All-Star team this year. There's no way you can't. Moving on to the small forward position, and this is the person who I think will be the captain of the Eastern All-Star team, and that is Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. Durant has come back after the injury that kept him out for the whole of last season, and he's absolutely killed it, and I think he's going to be the MVP of the whole league when it's all said and done this season. So it's no surprise that I put him in the Eastern All-Star team starters. He's one of the most consistent scorers in the whole game. You can pretty much just put him anywhere and he'll still knock down a shot. And despite Brooklyn's rather shaky start to the season, 
season where they lost against some of the worst teams in the NBA, they still managed to get the job done against some of the best teams in the NBA. And when it comes down to the playoffs, beating the best teams is what wins you a title. Durant has been doing amazingly when he's been on the court all season, however, though, which is why I think he's going to be getting into his 11th All-Star game this year. Then at the power forward position, we've got the Greek freak Yanis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. Yanis has had a stranglehold on the whole league for the last couple of years. He's the back-to-back -back MVP winner for the whole league, which had only been done 11 times before him. But the question is, can he become the fourth person to win it three times in a row and the first since Larry Bird in 1985? Probably not, no. And he also won't be becoming an all-star captain for the third season in a row either, at least in my opinion. But you still can't deny that Giannis is putting up numbers that are worthy for an all-star team selection, despite the Milwaukee Bucks not doing so well in the East this year compared to previous years. And it'll be enough to send him to his fifth straight all-star game, and it'll be his fifth straight start as well. And on top of that, I'm predicting him to be the all-star game MVP this year, or else I generally don't think he'll win anything this year otherwise. And then to round off the starters for the East in the centre position is someone who many people think is the best centre in the NBA today, and that's Joe Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, someone from the 76ers had to get in there sometime given that they hold the best record in the East. And that is mainly down to Joel Embiid, who is one of the best shooters in the game despite being a centre. He's having the season of his career so far, and he's third in points per game throughout the whole league. So it's pretty obvious that he's going to be getting into his fourth All-Star appearance in only his fifth season in the NBA. And like Yanis, he'll have started every single All-Star game that he's played, which is a pretty impressive feat to hold. And who knows, Embiid's All-Star season may be enough to send Philly to the NBA Finals and win them their first title since 1983. Now moving on to the bench for the East and starting off with the guards and I'm doing this with absolutely no shame at all and giving Zach Levine his first all-star appearance. It is criminal how underrated Zach Levine is and I'd even go as far to say that he's the most underrated player in the league. I actually can't think of anyone else that's more underrated and underappreciated than Zach Levine is. He's sixth in the league in points per game and he's well on his way to becoming the second best scorer in Bulls history behind Michael Jordan. It's safe to say that if Levine doesn't even get into the all-star team this year, riots will probably break out in Chicago. Moving on to someone else who will be making their first All-Star appearance in this year's game if he gets chosen, and that's Jalen Brown on the Boston Celtics. I said last episode that he was having a breakout year, as this season he's really putting up All-Star contending numbers after not really being considered throughout his whole career up to this point. And whilst Boston have been really, really bad as of late, Brown has still been putting up consistently good numbers, which is why I think he's going to be making his All-Star appearance for the first time this year. And then to round off the guard selection for the Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves, we've got the final piece of the Brooklyn Nets Big Three, but the only person that's not starting out of that free, and that's Kyrie Irving. But let's be honest, Kyrie is probably the third best guard in the East. Therefore, it is no surprise that he'll have made the All-Star roster for the seventh time this year, after missing out last year for injury. But he is healthy this year, and he's putting up amazing numbers, and it'll be great to see some of his ball handling skills in the All-Star game this year. Then moving on to the reserve forwards for the East, I've got someone who'll be making his first All-Star appearance if he gets chosen this year, and I think he should, and that is Julius Randle from the New York Knicks. Someone else who I ended up mentioning in the last episode about who's having a breakout year, and he really is. He's averaging a points, rebounds, double-double, and he's improving his passing, like I said last episode too. He's one of the main reasons why New York are in a playoff hunt at the moment, and I think he does deserve to be in the All-Star team for the first time in his career as a result of that. And now we're back to Boston for the next reserve pick, and I've chosen Jason Tatum. Tatum and Brown are probably one of the best duos in the league right now, and they both deserve an All-Star appearance off the back of it. Tatum was part of the All-Star team reserves last year too, and he has only gotten better this year, so there's no doubt about it that he'll be part of the All-Star reserves again this year. He's showing signs of becoming that franchise 
player that the Celtics really need right now. And at such a young age, it definitely won't be long before he starts starting for the All-Star team instead of coming off the bench. The penultimate Eastern Conference All-Star reserve, in my opinion, will be DeMantis Sabonis on the Indiana Pacers. Like Jason Tatum before him, if he makes it this year, this will be his second All-Star appearance after making it to the bench last year as well. It was between him and Bam Adebayo for a place on the bench, but like I said earlier, Indiana have just been way better than Miami this season. But having said that, it's not like Sabonis hasn't stepped up his game this year. He is putting up better numbers than he did last year. And without Victor Oladipo putting up All-Star numbers, it really was down to Sabonis to carry the offense pretty much throughout the year, and he has done that. And he's also improved his passing numbers as well. In terms of power forwards and centers, he's fifth in assists per game. So overall, despite it being a toss-up between him and Adebayo, Sabonis does deserve a place on the All-Star reserves. And then to round out the Eastern Conference All-Star reserves, I've gone with Nikola Vucevic off of the Orlando Magic. I do think he's a very underrated player, a very underappreciated player, mainly because he plays for such a bad team in the Magic, but he's still putting up great All-Star level numbers, deserving of a place on the roster. Some say he was unfairly left out last year after being included in the 2019 All-Star game, which is his only All-Star game appearance to date, but there is no doubt that he'll be included this year. He's improved in pretty much all of his numbers, his scoring, his field goal percentage, and his three-point percentage, and in my opinion, it'll most definitely be enough to see him into the All-Star game for the second time in his career, and that will round off my All-Star predictions for the Eastern Conference. So, now that the Eastern Conference All-Star predictions are done, it's time to find out who I think will make the Western Conference All-Star team. And first up, we've got probably the best point guard ever. There you go, I said it. We've got Stephen Curry off of the Golden State Warriors. I mean, is there really any surprise that he's starting? This will be his seventh All-Star appearance if he makes it this year, and it'll also be the seventh All-Star appearance that he started if he starts the game. And why not? He's generally having the best scoring season of his life. You think that he's going to make the three whenever he goes to shoot one instead of miss it, which is absolutely insane. He's proven all the doubters wrong who thought that he couldn't lead the offense at such an old age, and he's one of the main reasons why the Warriors are in playoff contention this year. Partnering Curry in the backcourt is personally one of my favorite players in the NBA, and that's Luka Doncic on the Dallas Mavericks. After starting the All-Star game last year, this will be his second All-Star game in his career, and he's only been in the league for three years. He's been a one-man show for the Dallas Mavericks this season, and he's at the moment on a 14-game streak of scoring 20-plus points. And then on top of that, you got the fact that he's the best passer and rebounder on the Mavericks too. He's a triple-double merchant. He's got seven already this season, which he leads the league in. So there is definitely no doubt that he'll be a starter for the Western Conference All-Stars this year for the second year in a row. Then at small forward, we've got the best player in the NBA today and arguably one of the best players in the NBA of all time. It's Jabari Parker. No, I'm joking. It's LeBron James. I mean, did the thumbnail really have you fooled? Of course LeBron James has to make it for the 17th year in his career. I really don't understand how he's still going at the level that he is. The dude's 36 and still putting up monster all-star level numbers. Like, he's actually a machine. He's actually at the point where accolades don't even matter to him anymore. Like, people are still going to say he's the best player in the NBA. And when his career's all said and done, people are probably going to say that he's the best player in the NBA's history. You can't argue that he's amazing, and fans love him, which is why he's going to be a starter again, and he's probably going to be the captain for the all-star team in the West. At the other four positions, we've got someone who I think is very underrated when it comes to MVP talking, like he's never usually considered as an MVP, and that is Kawhi Leonard on the Los Angeles Clippers. Now he may not put up MVP level numbers on a nightly basis, but when it comes to a clutch performance in a big game, there's no one that does it better than Kawhi, in my opinion. And he's still consistently putting up all-star level numbers, so it's no surprise that I think last year's all-star game MVP is going to be making his fifth all-star appearance of his career. And then to round off the starters for the Western All-Stars at centre, I've got who I think is the best centre in the NBA today, and that is Nicola 
Jokic off of the Denver Nuggets. This will be Jokic's third All-Star game, but if my predictions are correct, it'll only be the first one he started out of the three. He's definitely overtaken Anthony Davis in terms of the best centre in the West, and he's proving to be one of the best all-round players in the whole NBA. He's top 10 in points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, and steals per game. He's having a season that's putting him in contention for the regular season MVP for the whole league, so there's no doubt that he's definitely going to be starting for the Western Conference All-Star team this year. Now onto the Western Conference All-Star bench, and we're starting off with a pair of backcourt players from Portland. It's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Now, injury has kept McCollum out for the last couple of weeks, but he should be back in time for the All-Star game, and I think he's done enough to secure his place on the reserves. McCollum has been putting up on an average about 20 points per game across the last five seasons of his career, but it hasn't been enough to send him to an All-Star game. However, this year he has definitely stepped up, and I think he's going to be making his first All-Star appearance. Like I said last episode, CJ has really been the Robin to Damian Lillard's Batman recently, but this year he has turned into an All-Star caliber player, and a place in the All-Star game will definitely show how well he's played this season on a whole. Damian Lillard was named an All-Star for the fifth time in his career last year, but had to opt out due to injury, but this year nothing is going to stop him from making his sixth All-Star appearance. The Blazers have been doing amazingly in the West as of late, and with CJ McCollum out, it has been up to Damian Lillard to carry the offense, which, well, we all know he's very capable of doing. And his recent clutch performances have led the Portland Trailblazers to a lot of very important wins that have seen them move up to fourth in the Western Conference standings. So it is clear to see that Damian Lillard definitely deserves a place on the Western Conference All-Star team this year. And the final guard on the Western Conference All-Star team reserves, and this may come as a surprise that the team with the best record in the NBA only has one All-Star, and that is Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. It does seem like ever since Shaq called Donovan Mitchell out, he's made it his personal mission to make the Jazz the best team in the NBA so far. This is only his fourth season in the NBA, and he's clearly the best player on one of the best teams in the NBA today. So good on you, Donovan. I'm acting like he's watching. Now you never know, he might be watching. If you're watching Donovan, well done. This will be his second All-Star appearance, and after amazing performances throughout the whole of the first half of the season, you can't say he doesn't deserve it. The first reserve forward for the Western Conference All-Stars is going to be, in my opinion, Kawhi Leonard's teammate on the Los Angeles Clippers, and that is Paul George. After making the All-Star team for the sixth time in 2019, he was left out in 2020. In what was considered a pretty poor year for Paul George, after missing almost half the season and then going missing in the playoffs. However, this year he is seemingly back to his normal self and is well on his way to his seventh all-star appearance. So far this season, his points per game average is the second highest it's been in his whole career, and he's shooting over 50% from the field so far this season for the first time in his career. Maybe this postseason he can finally live up to the playoff P nickname he gives himself and win the Los Angeles Clippers a title off the back of his all-star season. The next reserve forward is someone who just recently went down with an injury that might keep him out for the all-star game, but it'd be a bit tight on him if the NBA didn't acknowledge him with his first all-star appearance, and that is Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets. His impact on the Rockets is pretty self explanatory Planetary. They're on a six game losing streak and Wood's been injured for six games. He is one of those players who I said last episode was breaking out and he is putting up all-star numbers. So if he ends up recovering from his ankle injury, he's definitely off into the all-star team in my opinion. Next up, we've got someone else who's recently just gone down with an injury that'll probably keep him out for the all-star game and that's Anthony Davis on the Los Angeles Lakers. Davis hasn't had the greatest season so far this year. I mean, he's even said it himself that he sucked, but that really is a testament on the standards that he sets himself because he's still putting up all-star numbers night in, night out. And personally, I think that'll just be enough to send him into the All-Star game for the 8th time in the 9 seasons that he's been in the league. That is if he is fit to play, obviously. And then, to round off my predictions for the Western Conference All-Stars, I've gone with a first-time All-Star for a second-year player, Zion Williamson. Now, I never really thought I'd say this given how much attention he was getting last year, but I actually feel really sorry for Zion. He's one of the most efficient and powerful scorers in the NBA today, but the media don't really seem to care much about him now, and I don't really know why. Well, I do, it's because of Lamelo Ball. This year, the media have treated Zion like Andy treated Woody at the start of the first Toy 
story film. They just don't want to play with him anymore. So I do think he deserves to be in the All-Star team this year, but the fact that the media don't really notice what he's doing, along with the fact that he's only played 50 games in his NBA career, probably means that he won't get in, but he definitely should in my opinion. So that rounds off my All-Star predictions for 2021. Do you agree with my predictions? Do you disagree with my predictions? Let me know down in the comments below. Like I said at the start of the show, make sure you're liking and subscribing if you're listening on YouTube, and follow the podcast if you're listening on Spotify, and share it around no matter what you're listening on. Thank you for listening, hope you enjoyed, and I'll talk to you in a while.